There is a future beyond shell. It is necessary, overdue, and inevitable. In its place, we are building a clean, fair, and affordable energy democracy. Get ready. Oil and gas major shell has contributed significantly to the climate crisis. It has long impeded a just transition away from fossil fuels. But what are the pathways to a future beyond shell? If we are serious about putting a stop to the polluting colonial capitalist company, we need to take a good look at the options. Bankrupting, carbon pricing, suing, nationalizing. What can we achieve with these strategies? Welcome to the Future Beyond Shell podcast, in which we explore potential pathways to responsibly dismantle Shell as we know it. We are your hosts, Archina Ramanujan and Marisol Reindl. This is the second of two episodes on court cases, where we want to address the role of strategic litigation as a tactic to counter the power of Shell. Can we dismantle the company in a just and effective manner through the courts? In this episode on court cases, we are honored to talk to Celestine Akbubari. He is a lifelong environmental and human rights activist from Ogoniland in Nigeria and founder of the Ogoni Solidarity Forum. Celestine was born at the end of the Nigerian Civil War to a small farming family in the Kani community. This community is a part of the larger Ogoni people who have long struggled against Shell and the Nigerian government for environmental and human rights violations relating to oil production on their community's lands in the Niger Delta region. Today, Celestine's work fully centers on the struggle of the Ogoni community to seek justice for these harms. In 2007, he founded the People Advancement Center and has helped to mobilize for many of the court cases that have been brought against Shell from Nigeria. Celestine will bring up a number of court cases that were brought by various Ogoni communities in Nigeria. We want to give you a little bit of background on a few of these court cases. The litigation brought by the Bodo community against Shell in 2011 is one major court case he will discuss, as well as the court case brought by the Ogale and Bile communities in 2015. Both cases were brought to demand reparations and cleanup from Shell after their operations had caused massive oil spills. The oil spills have polluted rivers, depriving the local population from their main source of drinking water, as well as their main source of income, which is fishing. Left with no alternative, they're forced to drink from the polluted waters, while sickness and mortality rates within the area are starkly rising. These court cases were fought in Nigeria before they were brought to the UK, but only recently did courts even rule that the UK has jurisdiction over Shell's pursuits abroad. Another court case Celestine will discuss with us is the court case brought by four farmers from the Goy and Oruma villages in Ogoni territory against Shell. This court case was brought in the Netherlands and also demanded reparations for oil spills on these communities' lands, impacting their livelihoods. The Dutch court ruled in the farmer's favor this year, but a number of the plaintiffs passed away in the time it took to reach a verdict. These cases were brought in the UK and in the Netherlands because Shell is headquartered in these countries. Now it's time to hear more about these cases from our experts. So without further ado, welcome Celestine. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you, Achana, for having me. I'm glad to be here. Celestine, also a warm welcome from my side. I'm going to jump in right with the first question. Could you tell us a little bit more about the history of court cases against Shell from Nigeria? Who has started them? Well, um, when I joined the mainstream human rights community as a volunteer, I observed, and it was a common knowledge, that um, you don't take Shell to court because you will not win. And apart from that, you will not win. You will die before decisions are taken. It's a common knowledge. So um, we started working with um, some international organizations like uh, Amnesty International, Friends of the Earth International. In fact, there was a time I was 
the face of the dignity campaign for Amnesty International in Niger that I was the face of dignity campaign. So Amnesty International actually introduced um, some of the human rights uh, activists to LIDE. LIDE is a team of lawyers in the UK, the United Kingdom, that since you know uh, you cannot win shell in Nigerian courts because they keep bribing the judges until the little guns will die, that we can test, we can try it in the UK court. And so um, the border community where there was an oil spill, there was a serious oil, oil spill in 2008 and 2009, massive oil spill. So we, we literally took that matter to a UK court. So when eventually um, there was an out of court settlement, that eventually gave um, Bodo community a 55 million pounds. So people now was like, oh, so Shell is not that superstar that we, we thought they were when it comes to a foreign court. And that's how uh, you started seeing communities taking Shell to court outside of Nigeria. And some of those communities uh, were um, the Goe community you are aware of, the Bile Anogale. The Goe community also do with performance from Oruma, from Ikot Adodon in Akwaibon State, and you have um, a Goe community. But, but before then, there was a first trial of a community called Ikebri. Ikebri Kingdom is in Bayelsa State. When the chief of the community, Chief Francis Obodo, on behalf of his community, took any an Ajib, any, any is um, um, Italian company. So they, 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 do, they tried this case in, a, in, in an Italian court in Milan. Although when there's approached them in Nigeria, they did not talk to the community. But when the matter was taken to Milan in 2017, I think that was um, implementary right action, tried that. When they, when they did that, the company started releasing money that they, that they said they didn't have before. So those instances, for instance, the community people were asking for a settlement of only 4.5 million naira, which the oil company said they will not give nobody nothing. But when they went to the court in Milan and they settled out of court, the company spent over 1 billion naira in opening roads, healthcare, and electricity. So our people started you know, thinking that, yes, um, that there is hope. For our side. Recently, on August 4th, you heard about the Jama Ibubu case. That matter was in a court in Nigeria for 31 years. 31. Of, of the 11 uh, or 12 litigants, only one is alive. Others have died. And I can tell you for free that the favorable judgment they got this August happened because of the successful cases. Um, litigants are having from abroad, like the Goe case at the Hague and the Ogale matter at, in London. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think what you're mentioning is really interesting, especially, yeah, sort of the differences bringing uh, Shell to court in Nigeria versus uh, bringing them to court internationally. And I think that's what we... Uh, an aspect that we want to delve delve in a bit more in a little bit. Uh, but yeah, you have already been mentioning a couple of different cases. And I was wondering whether there are like one or two cases that you find uh, particularly important uh, and that has maybe happened in the most recent time. Of course, I think internationally often the one case that people know the most of is, of course, the, the Ken Sarah Weaver case that has been initiated in the aftermath of the killing of the Ogoni Nine. Um, 
but yeah, especially this year, luckily has been uh, a hard year for Shell in terms of losing court cases. So yeah, what what are maybe uh, yeah, if you could elaborate maybe a little bit more on one or two cases that you found particularly uh, important in the recent time. Okay, um, the border matter is important to me because it was one of the very landmark. It was. Uh, it was the eye opener, the border matter, because the speed of 2008 and 2009 was massive. And the company claimed that it was sabotage, and they don't give a damn. And before then, there have been speeds that led to uh, fire breaks in community, and uh, they've been turning their back on it. They don't do the routine checks on their facilities, leading to massive speeds everywhere, and they've been so but. When Bordeaux community are approached Shell, the company said that they will not do anything for the community. Community people asked for 30 million naira. May I 30 million naira? Um, the, that was in 2009. Shell said they will not pay, that they can only pay 950,000 naira, not even up to a million. Shell said they will pay only 950000 That was when the community got in touch with Amnesty International that led them to lead it. And eventually, when they went to court, they coughed out 55 million pounds. So that was uh, very important to us because um, there was no hope for the community because the community is a fishing community. And the OSP destroyed the entire mangrove that houses the fishes, where fishes breed, destroyed their means of livelihood. And so poverty set in. And so um, the ruling that gave them that money was a big relief to the community because apart from financial compensation to individuals, some amount of money was set aside to develop the community. And even as we speak, some part of the money was set aside to clean up the mess. Just two days ago, that was on Tuesday, today is Thursday. On Tuesday, I traveled with Reverend Nimo Basi, executive director of um, Head of Mother Earth Foundation to Bodo to go and see where the cleanup is taking place. And it, it will amaze you that when we got there, they have even started planting mangroves, which we joined, meaning that there is hope that um, the mangrove forest that the oil company destroyed, that they, we can you know, get them back, that we, we can revegetate our, 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 our mangrove forest. So that's, that matter is very important to me. And, and another case that is very important to me is, is the Ogale matter, because is very dramatic, <laughs> very dramatic because they started in Nigeria in 2010 with a, a very big lawyer in this country, Femi Falana, senior advocate of Nigeria, handle that matter. Any matter is involving, you can be sure that you will win. But because this matter was against Shell, they didn't give a damn. For four years, they did not talk to them. From 2010 to 2013, they were filing motions upon motions and adjoining the cases in their, in their pattern. You know, they keep adjoining until the litigants will die. So out of frustration, the Ogale people with their lawyer took this matter to the US, the US court in Chicago. And the, the court told them that um, they don't have the jurisdiction because I'm um, sure was not a company of the US, was not an American company, that they should try the Hague and the UK. And that was why they went to the UK. And as you know, they lost at the first court, they lost at the second court, and they continued until they won at the Supreme Court. Um, you are aware that, that that case happened on, the, the ruling was given on 12th of February, 2021. Opening the door, for other communities that have been tormented by Shell, that yes, 
um, a foreign court can list him. So cases against uh, Shell on the offenses they commit in Nigeria or any other overseas country that is not the parent country. So that these two cases are very important to me. Very important to me because right now people are are doing compilations of the cases that they will uh, <laughs> fight against Shell that was considered untouchable before. Yeah. Thanks, Celestine. I uh, I really appreciate all the you know the, the the overview of all the the things that Shah has done in Ogoni uh, territory, including um, you know the oil pollution that impacted fisheries, as well as um, drinking water, which are really really uh, serious health and community well being impacts that. Um, really cannot be overlooked. And it's it's very interesting to hear also your uh, a sense that court cases have really brought some some uh, improvement or uh, amelioration of the conditions, it seems. So we wanted to move the conversation more in the direction uh, uh, of uh, looking at court cases as a tactic for social movements, uh, fighting shell, for for communities fighting shell and and under, try to understand you know what what is it that um, uh, we can achieve with it is is it is it possible to to fight corporations like shell is it possible to dismantle them even so um, I have a, I have a couple of specific questions and then we can move more uh, more to the the large broad question of what to do with shell but. A lot of the court cases you mentioned, uh, you mentioned that they had been brought in the U.S. or in the U.K. or in the Netherlands. Um, you know, the uh, the case that Esther Kiobel brought, for example, that was a follow on from the Ken Sarawiwa case, um, which was really, I mean, as you mentioned, a really uh, uh, quite horrible event of uh violence and 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 repression of protest of the of the movement of the Mosop and Ogoni people movement against Shell in the 90s that resulted in the hanging of uh of of Ken Sarawiwa and uh his and fellow activists that um that are is still being fought in court cases today but that court case was brought in first in the US and then now in the Netherlands um what are the, the consequences of bringing court cases in, in the countries where Shell is established, like the UK and the Netherlands or, or the US as a foreign country versus Nigeria? What are the, what are the different trade-offs? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, um, the, what are the differences between um, having them sued in their own countries and Nigeria is that um, when they are sued in Nigeria, they can afford to bribe the judges because of high level of corruption in Nigeria. And Shell goes for the best lawyers in the world. Why community people, because they don't have money, they go for lawyers that, that, that are not very sound. In Nigeria, if you are a senior advocate, what we call SAN, senior advocate of Nigeria, if you are a lawyer that is a senior advocate and you go to court, they will step down other cases and listen to you first. The judges will respect you because you are a SAN and they are very costly. The poor man cannot afford the services of a SAN. So Shell can hire 15 SANs. And when you see 15 senior advocates lined up against a small lawyer, the lawyer cannot even talk. They will shout on him at the court, sit down, and the judge will do nothing because the judges are even afraid of the senior advocates. So, but when they are taken to overseas countries and overseas courts, there is no senior advocate there. What they are looking at at that place is justice, issue of justice. 
fairness. They are not looking at your money. And so in Nigeria, you observe that when cases go to court, they keep adjoining, they keep adjoining, they can listen to your case once in a year. Imagine the Ogale matter from 2010 to 2013. Nobody talked to them until they got to a foreign court. So um, corruption in Nigeria has really um, led to some of the, the terrible experiences that our people had in the hands of Sheriff. But um, in a foreign court, <laughs> you will bribe nobody. What is at play in overseas courts is the facts. If you can prove your case, the facts, like when Sheriff argued that, um, that the pollution in Goy, Oruma, and Ecuador were as a result of sabotage. The court ruling in this appeal said that you, are, you, 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 you could not prove your case that it was sabotage. Because you cannot say sabotage without the proof. Prove it. They couldn't prove it. But in Nigeria, when one they say sabotage, oh, yeah, it's sabotage. And, that, and that's all. But in a foreign court, you have to prove it. He who alleges must prove. So, uh, and that's... And that's that's the difference, and, and, and that's why um, um, the community people are happy now. And because by extension, the judges in Nigeria are beginning, from what we saw in the Jama, are beginning to say, ah, even courts of the home countries of these companies are punishing them for offenses they commit in Nigeria. And we are here supporting them. So you can see the ripple effect. And I can tell you, Shell never talked about divestment. Shell never talked about living to offshore until this ruling started coming. Right now, what Shell is trying to do now is either registering companies in different names to go into renewable energy, or they are selling their assets to move to offshore where they will not be dealing with human beings where they will do what they want to do and get away. So it is these um, cases, the successes at the foreign court that is pushing Shell out of this other territory to the offshore. It is the judgment that is pushing them into renewable energy to a, a kind of renew their, redeem their image. So that's, 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 that's the difference. Thanks, Celestine. I think you brought up a lot of interesting points, particularly, you know, this issue of uh, economic power or financial power that Shell has, um, because they are just so wealthy. You know, I think they were valued at something like 125, $130 billion US dollars on the market the other as, as market value the other day versus, you know, Ogoni communities don't have anywhere near that money. So the court courts might be a place to uh, balance economic power. Nevertheless, um, uh, I, th I think that it's quite expensive, right, to go to court for Ogoni people, uh, for Ogoni communities, uh, especially courts abroad. Um, so could you tell us a little bit about how, you know, how expensive litigation is and how communities deal with that aspect of things? Well, um, litigation is very costly. In fact, um, these cases that community people win, those like the border, the Goe, the Ogare, the, the, the community people, you know, are, are not the people paying. These cases are being handled pro bono. They are just, you know, the, the, the community people cannot afford um, to even uh, sue in Nigeria, not to talk about a foreign court, because it is a very costly procedure and process. Judiciary is very, very costly, you know. And to even um, transport, to fly witnesses from Nigeria to The Hague or to London and book for hotel and the processes that are involved, it's, it's frightening because it's, it takes a lot of money. 
It takes um, very strong lawyers like Lide and 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 Milieu Defense, all these organizations, like the case in Adi Hague was paid for by Milieu Defense. So it, it, it takes very strong organizations to champion the cost. Otherwise, no community or an individual can fund any singular case, whether it is in Nigeria or outside. You can imagine the Ejama matter, 31 long years. Who will be gathering money to pay for, for, judge, for lawyers for 31 years? Who will be doing that? Nobody will be doing that. It means that you will not do anything in your life than to gather money for lawyers. And, and you, can, you can imagine. So that's, that's, that's it. It's a costly process. It can only be taken over and championed by international organizations that are interested in ameliorating the pains that community people are going through, especially in Nigeria, Niger Delta. Thanks, Celestine. I think that's also a really important point about um, international collaboration and making sure we're working together, but I think also perhaps across lines of responsibility, right? So uh, organizations in countries where Shell has historically been established, like in the Netherlands or in the UK, uh, helping Ogoni communities to fight a company from which the country has these countries have really benefited, which is sort of another question I have for you in terms of where uh, where these court cases are being brought. You know, you mentioned corruption in Nigeria as a problem, and I th in 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 serving justice in these in these court cases, and um, and that's a common it's a common refrain that I think people use to justify bringing these court cases in the UK, the Netherlands, uh, other wealthy countries, often with colonial histories. Um, so, you know, and that the rule of law in these countries is stronger, but of course they are built on uh, a history of, of taking, of a colonial history of, of extracting wealth, extracting oil from countries like Nigeria and Ogoni territory in particular in this case. So I'm wondering, you know, um, I know many court cases are also brought in Nigeria. Is it, do, do you find it important that, you know, the, you know to, to develop the, the court system in Nigeria as well and to, to bring court cases there is also important to strengthen uh, uh, the local rule of law. I, I'm wondering whether you have any thoughts on this. Well, um, it is not about uh, strengthening the judicial system in the country, and because the judiciary is not an island, they don't, they, they are not, they are not alone. It's a chain, chain. You know, there is the executive arm. If you have the president of Nigeria that is interested in the rule of law then every other department of the country will begin to work. Every other section will begin to work. The judiciary cannot work alone. So no matter how much money you pump into the judiciary, if other system is bad, they say if the head rots, the whole body is useless. So until we begin to have a leadership that knows what is happening in the world. Look at what is happening in Rwanda. Rwanda just came back from war. But because they have a president that knows what to do, Rwanda has become a destination. It's growing very fast. So if you have a leadership of the country that said, I want the judiciary to work, definitely judiciary will not be up for sales. Recently, some judges were summoned by the chief justice of Nigeria. Why? They were summoned because they gave conflicting judgments in a, math, in a political case. But there have been conflicting judgments in cases 
concerning oil extraction and pollution, and nobody's talking. But they have invited the judges to Abuja now because the, the, the conflicting judgment they, they gave will affect politics, which is one-sided. So, um, well, it won't be bad. It, will, it won't be bad to begin to campaign for that. Let us rebuild the, judicial, the judiciary. Let us reject the judicial system and you know, launch a campaign by the side. Yes, there will be a change. There will be a change, but for how long can you hold on if you don't have the support of the central system? Yeah. Right. So actually, political transformation is necessary in Nigeria, and it's not just limited to the court system in order to to move things forward locally. And I know you've been working on this pretty much your whole life, you know, from ch change from the ground up. Um, but I do have this question that remains, you know, as to whether, you know, do you think that bringing court cases in uh, the UK or in the Netherlands has a bit of a sort of neo-colonial taste to it in the sense that, again, these court cases are being decided far away from the communities who are really impacted and, um, you know, or maybe, maybe that's just what's necessary right now. Do you have, do you have any thoughts on this? Well, um, you can say that, um, you can, you can, you can say that, but, but I don't think, I don't think community people are not thinking about, um, colonial or neo-colonial, uh, uh, undertone. All what community people that have suffered so much are looking for is justice at the end of the day, that we have justice. But the this, 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 this particular case is very interesting because judgments are not coming from other countries. Judgments are coming from the home countries of the oil companies. So, um, it does not, yeah, it smells, there is a stink of neocolonialism there. Yeah, but because home government, our parent countries are punishing their, their companies for not, you know, obeying the minimum standard, for not, you know, carrying the flag of their country. I think um, we are not looking much about that because they are not taking from us this time rather they are giving to us. But we would have preferred that our own country is punishing the oil companies for destroying economic livelihoods of their own citizens. But they are partnering with the oil companies. They are two sides of the same coin. They look the other way. When they were to kill Kinsarawiwa, they choose oil above blood of one of their best. So a country that thinks like that, you, you don't mind if your salvation is coming from outside. But the, 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 the ideal thing would have been that the home country is, you know, um, given this kind of ruling that we are hearing from The Hague and from London. If Nigerian courts, we are giving this kind of ruling. I can tell you for free that the oil company will not do what they are doing. They will sit up, but they are partners in crime. Yeah. Thanks, Sostin. I think it's, yeah, it's definitely important for our listeners to understand the dynamics in Nigeria between, uh, you know, Shell subsidiary there, the Shell Petroleum, uh, uh, I think a development company and uh, and the Nigerian government because they historically have been quite intertwined, which again has to do with the development of of the state of Nigeria and how involved the British government and uh, at that time Burma Shell was um, the the four one of the forerunners of Shell and um, uh, the, at that time was a British company and so you know. Uh, We've seen this time and again that I think Shell has uh, is very buddy buddy with the Nigerian government, and that came to the fore in the 
uh, Sarawiwa case in the 90s, uh, where uh, Shell very much conspired with the with the government to uh, arrest and hang these uh, um, hang the Ogoni Nine, which the um, Amnesty and, and various other activists have brought to the to the front. It's, the case still has to be decided, but this is this is the the complaint. But um, I, I want to uh, talk a little bit about what you mentioned about justice um, and that communities want justice, but also how long it sometimes takes to get justice, right? You you mentioned the Ajama Ibubu community who have um, who took whose case took 30 years, you know. Um, and this is this is not uncommon. Um, for example, the the case that uh, with the four farmers from various Ogoni communities that was brought with Milieu Defensi, uh, Dutch Friends of the Earth, Earth organization, was decided in, in January of this year, but took 13 years. And two of those farmers have passed away. And you mentioned also with the Ajama Ibubu case that num a number of the plaintiffs have passed away bef before they receive compensation. So, you know, our court cases just... Do they take too long to get get justice for communities? Yeah, it takes too long and they never get justice. In Nigeria, you never get justice. It takes too long. In fact, it, it, is, it is in their books that none of the litigants should be, al should be alive because it's a pattern. It has worked for them. It has worked for them. They have all the money to pay. So why the cases are in court, the oil production is going on. Why you struggle to look for money to pay for lawyers? They are taking oil from your land to pay, sell and pay the lawyers. So you are the loser and you never win. The Jama matter is a case in point. In fact, there is none of the cases that they took abroad that did not start from Nigeria, including the Goi matter. It started here in Nigeria. It started in Nigeria. The Ogale matter started in Nigeria. I told you to maintain a senior advocate for three years. Nobody talked to them. They were just filing motions upon motions. So they frustrate people. In fact, the, the mere thought of going to the court, uh, you, will not, you will not think about it because you will sell all your farmlands. You will sell every economic thing you have just to get a lawyer. Who will want to do that? So, I mean, um, it's not only long. It does not only take long, but justice does not come at the end of the day. If justice are coming now, they will be coming because there is a precedence from overseas courts. And this case in the Jamaa Bubu, that borrow a leaf from the London and, 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 and the Netherlands courts, um, I just pray that other courts in Nigeria will now begin to have the courage. Say, oh, at last we have one court that has done this. So uh, it's a welcome development that the, the judge in the Ejama matter decided that way. I think that other judges will begin to borrow a leaf, you know, from from them, but my fear is that um, it will take long to come. If, 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 if it comes, it will take long. Like the Jamai Bobo that took over 30 years. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm very curious to hear because what I hear you're descri describing that with the these recent court rulings, like sort of a turning point has been reached. And before you've already mentioned, like Shellis has started now uh, to sell some of their shares. It's moving more offshores. So could you elaborate a little bit? Uh, what do you see happening or what do you expect to be happen with Shell in the in the near future, in the upcoming years? And maybe what court what role court cases uh, can still play then? Well, what I see, what I see is that Shell will continue to be in the dark for a very long time. Even after they have left oil mining business, Shell will continue to be in the dark because the company went 
on a spoiling spray, devastating environments, destroying livelihoods everywhere that they operated. And people are putting their fires together. So I see shell um, in the dock, and they'll be getting unfavorable ruling that will compel them to pay compensation to all the territories that they have destroyed. The Ogoni people, as a collective, they are yet to sue Shell over compensation because the UNEP report, actually what I call a death sentence, actually found Shell guilty because um, if you read that report, they talked about benzene, a cancer-causing carcinogen in the water that they're going to put drink. It talked about the water standard 900 times worse than level recommended by World Health Organization. It talked about um, five uh, feet of our, of, of, of our soil. That, that was then, but now there was the water table. So that's a death sentence given by UNEP that share Hayat to do the assessment. So it is a valid document scientifically proving that Shell destroyed Ogoni and that we are yet to challenge Shell over compensation because the report was silent about compensation. Haven't stated how Shell destroyed the environment, destroyed the air, destroyed the water, destroyed livelihood. They were silent on issue of compensation. So definitely the Ogoni people as a collective we come out to ask for compensation as a result of the findings of UNEP. And several other communities are dusting their fire, putting their papers together as a result of the ruling in London. And, and I can tell you that, I said, that is why Shell is running. They are running offshore. And very soon they will run from offshore and finally shut down completely. They will be changing their name into another thing. Because cancer who are predicted that your day will come. And that day has come. I can tell you that there will be no peace for the wicked. We will chase them. Everybody will chase them until all the money they stole from the people. Of course, they are blood money. Because when you take money from people that are dead, it's blood money. They are going to pay back all those money to community people where they destroyed. That's what I see. Yes, Celestine, I think that you make a very interesting point about the report, the UNEP report, which came out in 2011, that um, actually might be, you know, these scientific reports serve a purpose in supporting these communities to build their cases to bring Shell to court, for example, or to do other, um, to take action in other ways to, uh, to remediate their situation. And I think, I, I want to move towards um, the sort of final questions we have about court cases in general as a tactic. You mentioned that, you know, you saw, um, I think, in the Bodo case that there was also money for cleanup. Um, and I'm wondering, you know, are, are court cases also able to... Um, not only, you know, not only pay reparations, it seems like you see opportunities also to remediate the situation in the future. So, uh, you know, are there ways that court cases can help us um, do that? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, judging from the border case, um, the Ogale people, the Goe people, Oruma, Ekot, Adaudo, Bile, all of them have as component of their resolution. It's part of the resolution that you come and clean up your mess. A president has been set in Bodo. Right now, we are replanting the mangrove, revegetating our devastated forest. So it is a component of every negotiations. And so in the days coming, we begin to see this same thing happening in Bodo, happening in Goy. 
happening in El Gale, happening in Oruma, happening in Bile, happening in Kot Ataudo, and it will continue to happen in every other community until this mess is finally cleared. And other companies that are still interested in oil exploitation will begin to learn. If at all, there will be oil exploitation because the world is moving away from fossil fuel, what we call dirty fuel. They are moving away from it into something better, greener. So, but what I'm excited, I, I didn't know that the judiciary, you know, the courts will help us. You know, if Kensar were new, he would have taken the courts. I think so. We would have taken the courts. It would have been better for us than the over 2,000 people that we lost, innocent lives. Yeah, so I, I, I'm happy that, that um, remediation is part of every negotiation that have been made. Definitely. I mean, as part, so compensation or reparations for what happened, but also a cleanup moving forward must be a part of these court cases. And so I'm wondering, you know, I sense from you a little bit of, you know, um, despair in terms of the fact that justice seems to take so long with these court cases. You mentioned, you know, justice never comes. But on the other hand, you know, court, this, this sense of hope that court cases, um, in, in addition to you know movements on the street, really are able to move um, move things for communities to get justice from Shell. Do you think that court cases can you know can actually dismantle Shell as an organization? You know, do you think that this is this is something that that can be achieved by by bringing bringing a corporation to court like that? Yeah, definitely. The, the kind of judgment we are seeing now, the kind of judgment we are seeing is capable of ending shell, is capable of shutting them out of business. Of course, like I said, shell will never divest. It is the first time we are hearing about that. Why are they afraid? <laughs> Why are they running away? They are running away because of the court cases that are coming from people. So they are migrating to where there is no human being that will take them to court. But I think that um, the past mess will cripple them. The share will definitely be out of business. There's no doubt about it. They'll be out of business because of um, the court cases, the current litigation. When the, when the Ogale matter is finally decided, you can imagine how much money share will be paying to Gali people. You can imagine how much they will be paying to Bile people. You can imagine how much they will be spending at um, Goi, Oruma, Ikora Daido. So, man, their day is here, and we can't wait to see share bleed mm -hmm. and empty their accounts. Yeah. I think neither neither can us. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for uh, for sharing this. Um, as uh, you might know, uh, this is uh, yeah we are we are going to as part of this series we are going to interview uh, a lot of people and we will in each episode actually investigate a different political economic tool to dismantle Shell. So I think my last question to you, Celestine, is next to bringing Shell to court, what other tool, yeah, may it be uh, taxing Shell, uh, may it be cutting subsidies from Shell, what other tool can you imagine or uh, think is absolutely crucial on in the pathway to a future beyond Shell and to dismantle Shell? Well, I think as, as, as we try uh, wicked leaders for genocide, I think Shell should be in the dog for ecocide. Shell should be in the door for ecocide, but destroy the environment. This one, this that particular matter can be taken up by any person, any part of the world, because there is no barrier that the devastation, the poison, the pump in the air in Nigeria will not get to Europe, because the air does not does not remain in Nigeria. So any person can sue them for ecocide. I want to see, as you see, 
Weekend leader standing in the dock at the International Court of Justice at the Hague. I want to see an environment court set up that we someone get this this these wicked companies in the dock. And that, that will be different from particular cases, specific cases. This will be the general that, hey, Shell, you were culpable in Bordeaux. You were culpable in Bile. You were culpable in Ogale. You were culpable in Oruma. We are suing you for ecocide. The same thing you have with genocide because it is the environment that they destroy. I think that will finally put a nail on their coffin. And again, the shareholders can withdraw their shares. I remember when I went to the Hague, I attended um, share shareholder meeting sponsored. I was sponsored by friends of the Earth International. When I got there, after I cited my cases, one woman stood up and said, if this is the kind of business the company I invest in do, I'm no longer interested. One woman stood up to say that because I told them that the money share is shared to you, the blood money. Somebody is dead for that money to come. Somebody's farmland is stolen. Somebody's means of livelihood have been destroyed. A family killed for you to get this money. And the woman stood up and said, if it is so, I cannot be part of this anymore. So we need to also campaign to shareholders to withdraw their investment immediately because the money shared share to them is blood money. Thank you, Celestine, for sharing all this valuable information with us today and your analysis on how far we can get with court cases in our endeavor to dismantle Shell. You have left me hopeful that there is definitely potential for strategic litigation particularly in terms of moving towards justice for communities who have been harmed by the company. With this, we have reached the end of today's episode. If you like the show, please follow and like us on your podcast platform and join us for the next episode on nationalization. You can learn more about A Future Beyond Shell at futurebeyondshell.org. And for more information on our guests and the court cases we've discussed today, check out our show notes. See you next time.